I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. Today, we're going to Italy, and we're going to analyze the difference between the North and the South. And this is something that's always been of interest uh, for me. Italy, i got to say, is my favorite country. And for a long time, I've always said, if you like Italy as far south as Rome, go further south because it it intensifies. Uh, If Italy's getting on your nerves by the time you get to Rome, don't go further south because it gets worse. It gets better or it gets worse depending on how you like Italy. Definitely, there's a huge difference between North and South. It's confusing for a lot of Americans. It certainly has been confusing for me. So I have invited two friends and fellow tour guides to join us today. Tommaso Ponte is from Sicily and Cecilia Botai is from the center of Italy in Umbria and Tuscany. Tommaso and Cecilia, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Now, uh, first of all, Cecilia, tell us a little geographical background. Where is your family from and and what part of Italy do you identify with? It's not easy for me to say that. I can say that my father's family is basically from Tuscany, from the Siena and Arezzo area. And my mother's family is from Rome, but they used to spend a lot of time in Umbra, where I live now, because of the estate we have there. Okay, so generally central Italy. Yeah, central Italy. Okay, and Tommaso, uh, tell me about your family. And, and... Yes, I'm 100% Sicilian. <laughs> I'm pure Sicilian. My family, you know, is originated from Sicily. I'm from Sicily since generation. I make a, a genealogical research. I'm in Sicily. My family is in Sicily since the 17th century. Wow. Okay, so, uh, but actually they were originated from France. You know that in that period we have a very important immigration from France uh, to Sicily, especially the farmers, the imported vineyards and so on. Well, well Sicily is sort of a cultural stew with many different uh, Many different influences. cultures, Arabs, uh, Norman. Maybe uh, more so than the center of Italy, which of has course. more long-term roots. Yes. Now, a lot of travelers don't realize that in not until 1870 or so was Italy united. And 150 years ago, what, there was 20 or 30 different countries. Yes. Yeah. That is today Italy. Yeah. Today Italy is the size of California with how many million people in Italy? <sighs> no idea, but quite a few. <laughs> Maybe 60. 58 50. millions according to last statistics we have. 58 million according to the... St- <laughs> and, and in Italy, statistics, uh, I guess, Cecilia is very, saying. Very flexible, I would very say. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of flexibility in Italy. But this is nice. Guess, so you never get bored. It's yeah. true. There, in fact, there's a chaos that some people enjoy and other people fight with. What advice would you give travelers when it comes to dealing with the Italian style of organization and predictability? Well, you have to be prepared to flexibility. You have to get used to flexibility. And you have to realize that if you would have a place uh, where you don't need any flexibility, probably it's boring. Then you can go to the north. You can go to Denmark or something yeah, like yes. this. Yeah, we, then if you like that organization, you'll find yeah. it in the north. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you, you, you actually celebrate the chaos. Yes. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yes. In yes. North, north and south. Yeah. Probably in south it's worse. <laughs> the situation is worse. Probably it's the weather, you know, the nice sunshine days <laughs> that make us relax. Well, this day. is a great <laughs> thing that will kick us off into analyzing the difference of the north and south. And remember, when Italy was finally united in 1870, some famous Italian uh, said, we've created Italy. Now we need to create the Italians. It was easy to create a political unit, but still, today, do people identify themselves primarily as what? I would say they identify themselves primarily as, I'm from Florence, I'm from Umbria, I'm from Milan, I'm from Venice. Venice. I mean, I would call Italy the United States of Italy. Interesting, the United States States of Italy. Italy, Yes. So, Tommaso, in your heart, when somebody says, where are you from, what do you think? First of all, I am Sicilian. And second? Then I'm European and then I'm Italian. And Cecilia? (laughs) No, 
nice question. I would say, where are you from? No, I probably answer Italy uh, because this is my my country. But I then specify, and I live in uh, in Umbria. That is the green heart of Italy. This is the way we describe our region. And uh, but I was born in Florence, and uh, then I go on with the history. I mean, you can't say I'm, I'm Italian. Is there's more than that, yeah. Yeah, yes. and then okay. Let's pretend you're both from the tourist board in your part of Italy. Let's say Umbria and let's say Sicily. Mm-hmm. Umbria, by the way, is the to me the quintessential part of Italy for tourists. They think of Tuscany and Umbria. I think that's one reason why Italy is so popular. Apart from the big cultural centers of Venice, Florence, Rome, if they want the the rural magic of Italy, they think Umbria and Tuscany. Under the Tuscan sun, very yeah. popular in America. Yeah. I think most Americans wouldn't really know if they were in Tuscany or Umbria. It's the same sort of magic and charm. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Now, how would you distinguish Umbria and Tuscany, first of all? Well, Umbria, in my personal opinion, is more authentic, is less touristy, it has more the character it used to have years ago. Uh, Tuscany is wonderful. I was born in Tuscany, so this is why I allow myself to say what I'm going to say. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. But sometimes a little bit too much touristy. You feel like in a club Mediterranean sometimes. Right. But this is because it's so beautiful that everybody wants to go there. While Umbria is not as sophisticated as Tuscany, but you feel it more genuine. So it's a little more of a rustic, rough version of Tuscany without the popularity caused by a popular best-selling novel that uh, all the Americans go to. Yeah, and it also people are different. We are more Etruscans than the Tuscan people are. So how are you different? What does that mean? You're Etruscan. How does that matter? Uh, oh, well, matter? Etruscan people were a little, a little stubborn. Uh-huh. And uh, Tuscany has still very much uh, the, uh, let's say, the, the, the impact that the Medici family left on them. And a little bit sometimes, I have to say, not too sophisticated because sophisticated is not bad, but a little closed. Stuck, stuck uh, up. Yeah, we say top nose. Top nose, yeah. Um, they got their nose up in the air. Yeah, but it, That's it's the their Tuscan style. That's people. It's their style. More uh, Medici, like they're all Medici yeah. princes. Yeah. Aristocracy, Aristocracy. Okay, and then there's more of a rustic uh, earthiness in Umbria. Yeah. I find that, now that you mention that in my travels also, you know, between North and South Italy, there are some fundamental differences. Um, there's more chaos in the South. I mean, Tommaso, you tell me. You're from Sicily. What are the fundamental differences between... You You live near the, the strait that separates the, the boot from the football, as a lot of people think, right? Yes. And <laughs> when, you, when you cross that strait and you go up the peninsula, how do things change? Well, first of all, the people... I think we are more warmest, you know, we are more friendly. Uh, We have the joy of life. In the northern part of Italy, they think always to work, 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 work. For them, the most important thing is to work. For us, no. For us, uh, is to relax, to chill out. That's why, for example, we have a long siesta in the southern part of Italy. You have a longer siesta in the south? Oh, absolutely. In Sicily, we have four hours, five hours in the siesta in the afternoon. (laughs) And when you go, you know, when you go at home for lunch, it's really a joy to find all the family gathering around the table, interact between us. I don't find this in Milan. I don't find this. you know, in Venice. So the family for us is very important. We have a strong, strong sense of the family. In the southern part of Italy, we interact a lot between us. So, for example, our squares are very important. This is a moment of interaction between local, you know. This is very important. And we don't have in the north. So this is the difference that I know between the north 
and the South. The people you know in the South are more friendly. If uh, they see an American tourist, they stop. You know, they give all the information that they need and probably they accompany them to the hotel if they don't find the hotel. This is what we do. I don't find this in Rome, for example. I don't find this in Milan. I'm sorry to say this, but, you know, this is a big difference. Whoa, that's a pretty good billboard for Sicily. Now, <laughs> Cecilia, you just heard your Sicilian friend talking. How do you respond to that? I honestly have to say that there are much more generous people in all senses. When I go see my friends in the south of Italy, I just park my car. I give them the keys. I don't need my purse. I'm the guest, oh, wow. 100%. And this is fantastic. On the other hand, you are a guest, but you're kind of a slave because you're not allowed to do what you want. So if I want to take an hour for myself, no, because we have to go see Aunt Fifina, Aunt whatever, the cousin, the sister. And so they are captured somehow. But (laughs) this is, you know, the way it is in everything. There is good and bad in everything. But basically, they're much more generous people. This is the way we respect our guest. Our guest for us is a sacred person. First of all, we give our bed for our guest. Yeah, they give give the best room. They have, even if it's their own room, to the guest. The guest is like a saint person, untouchable. Now, has this been compromised and changing in the modern age, or is this still a very strong difference? It is. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it is still a big, strong difference, you know. So, Tommaso, you live with this 24 hours a day when you're at home. What is the frustrating thing for you? What's the difficulty of living in Sicily? Well, the organization. We don't have excellent service uh, of there. We don't have excellent public transportation, infrastructures, uh, uh, I mean, hospital, healthcare system, and so on. This is, uh, uh, this is the trouble that we have. Actually. So that's the downside of all this long of- siesta. You don't have. Uh, well, it could be. It could be. You know, because uh, to finish one infrastructure, sometimes we, for example, on the northern part of Sicily, we have a, a motorway which was finished in thirty-five years. <laughs> Only, I mean, four hours for going from Messina to Palermo. And it took thirty-five years to build the road. Yes, probably the siesta. That was, you know, siesta fault in this case. <laughs> so this is the other, you know, the other face of the medal. So, Cecilia, would you say the north is more of a balance, or for you, how do you uh, are I'm, you thankful you're not Sicilian? When you talk about the north again, let's talk about the uh, united northern states of Italy. So they are much more um, open in the south. The climate plays a very big role in the whole story. I mean, they have a weather that allows them to stay on the streets. And I think you know Venice, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to stay nine o'clock at night outside in Venice having a drink with friends in January? No. You can do that in the south of Italy. So the climate has played a very big role in all the whole situation. I would say in the center and north of Italy, this depends very much on the region. So Tuscany, for instance, people are very close. Before you make friends, it takes you ages. Umbria is already different and Lazio is different. They are much more open. Uh, the north is now used to having people from other parts of Italy. So they are starting step by step to getting more and more open. But basically what he says is pretty true. But it's a cultural issue. So they're used to have Arabians, and the Arabian people are specialized in inviting people, hosting people. We don't have that. And once again, I love that lifestyle. I love it. But sometimes it's a little bit uh, too much for so it's intense. Me. In a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's what we well, see as Italy. It's intensified. It's even more Italian as far as the uh, love of life, the take, take a nice uh, passeggiata yes. and a siesta and so on. Plus, you have the influences of Africa and the Middle East and the yeah. Normans and lots yeah. of different colonial powers. 
But if you go to Emilia Romagna, for instance, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Riviera, Mm -hmm. they are very open people. You get the best friends. They're almost like them, but Mm -hmm. uh, um, the south of Italy, but without the capturing system that they have. Without the intense hospitality. Uh, Overbearing hospitality. Yeah, overbearing. Overbearing. (laughs) It can be exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I have Tommaso with me from Sicily and Cecilia, from the center of Italy. And we have callers on the line. Tom in Birmingham, Michigan. Tom, thanks for your call. Thank you very much, Rick. Yeah. Um, recently, we had been to the northern part of Italy, and it actually only been down as far as Assisi. I had read different things and have heard different stories about the southern part of Italy being more intense and perhaps along the lines of Naples, maybe not as tourist-friendly. What would somebody who's traveling to southern Italy for the first time have to keep in mind, having you know, been exposed to northern Italy before? Well, you should be a little bit more flexible, prepared to get some uh, surprises you were not meant to have. But this is the nice part of your journey. Probably you will enjoy another lifestyle. You will enjoy fantastic food you never heard about before. Uh, you will enjoy the warmth of the people there. And... Um, I wouldn't discourage anybody to travel into the south of Italy because it's also a very nice area to go. Only there is a little bit less organization, but this is fun sometimes. I've got to say that, uh, Tom, in the north, you've got very important sites as such that you even have to make a reservation for in advance. To see Leonardo's Last uh, Supper, you need to make a reservation. To see the Uffizi Gallery and the Botticelli paintings, you need to make a reservation. South of Naples, there's really no single site that is, like, critical. It's more of a cultural immersion, and you're just walking down streets looking at churches that no tourist ever went to, meeting people in little mom-and-pop restaurants that have no menu, they're just serving whatever's cooking today, playing soccer with the kids in the streets. It's a much more free-flow kind of tourism, and for a lot of travelers, it's even better than waiting in line to see some famous church with a Jato painting up in the north. A lot of people also are concerned about the theft in the south. I was when I first went because of our movie image of of Italy and so on. Uh, Let me just get uh, our friends to uh, talk about these issues a little bit. Any concerns about theft different in the north or the south? Okay, theft, well, this is a big problem. I mean, when you arrive to Naples or when you arrive to Palermo, I would say, okay, be careful where you go, in the area where you're going of the city. So Naples or Palermo or, you know, another, you know, south part of Italy cities could be exactly the same of New York or Boston or another town. Theft, yes, this uh, could be a big uh, problem, but of course, if you don't go with uh, jewelry, you know, uh, or with uh, a precious watch on your brace, I mean, this wouldn't be a problem at all, completely at all. So, must be careful, of course, but it's not really a big problem. I think there's been, like, activist mayors in Naples that are yes. more police, more lights, uh, more law and yes. order. It's an amazing difference in the last decade, I find, in Naples. Same in Palermo. In Palermo, because Palermo is sort of like the Napoli of Sicily in exactly. a lot of ways. Same in Palermo, have the same situation. Well, I would say that uh, this is a, a very good question, but the answer is the south of Italy is not as rich as the north of Italy. So the more poor people you have, the more you get into the risk of uh, losing your money, losing your precious uh, jewelry and so on. I would discourage everybody, anybody from traveling anywhere with anything that is precious um, except for money. And I would encourage everybody to wear a money belt because those days, anywhere you go, you run into the risk of 
losing your passport, losing your money, your credit cards, and so on. So uh, Rome is as dangerous as Naples if you don't go into the right spot. And Florence, I have... I saw pickpocket people in action. <laughs> they know who they are. They don't know how to how to arrest these people. And it's kind of organization that we have now. Unfortunately, in Italy, they're not Italians. They are very well organized. And that Florence is not the south of Italy. So, anywhere you go, wear just uh, your watch as little precious as possible. Uh, wear whatever you have to wear and have your money belt with you and that's the safest way to travel anywhere. Yes. And uh, to make things even worse from a safety point of view when it comes to your valuables, any smart thief will target tourists rather than local people, I would think. Well, they target also local yes. people. If Do you they? go with your nice, beautiful diamond on your <laughs> <laughs> finger, they will probably... Pay attention to you. Whether you're a tourist or not. Tom, does that give you some ideas? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your call. And Wally's on the line in Santa Ana, California. Hi, Wally. Hi, Rick. This is kind of based on the previous caller, uh, the concerns for safety in southern Italy. A couple of years ago, we took a uh, bus tour down to uh, Sorrento. And uh, during one of our free days, uh, I indicated to the guide that I was interested in going to a museum in, in, in Naples. And he recommended uh, not going because of safety concerns. I was just wondering if you could kind of comment on that because uh, we've, we've, we've watched your DVDs and uh, although you've, you've kind of touched on uh, some of the things that your previous guest was interested in, uh, pickpockets, et cetera, this seemed a little bit stronger than just that. I think this is a little bit too much. I would warn people not to wear precious jewelry or things like that, but you're absolutely too safe to go and have a nice day in Naples if you're just careful. Common and sense. This is everywhere. In Milan, you can get the same experience. In uh, in Palermo, you can get this experience. Even in Rome, you can get the this experience. The only thing I would say, the difference is between smaller cities and bigger cities. Hmm, that's a good point. And remember, Wally, I think a lot of times it's kind of a, an aggressive sort of pride and a little bit of economic greed. These guys in the tourist industry want you to stay in Sorrento and they'll tell you, don't go to Naples, stay here. Let me take you shopping. And Sorrento is more of a resort and it doesn't have the high-powered thievery. Naples is a rough-and-tumble big city, an urban jungle. And as Cecilia was saying, you got to be more careful in the bigger cities. I have recommend people sleep in Sorrento because it is much more comfortable. But I'm adamant about people going to Naples. It's a wonderful city. It's a cultural and historic capital of Italy. It's just the, the dominant city of southern Italy, really, in so many ways. And you want to come in on the Circumvesuviano, which is the commuter train, and it's famous for having um, kind of thugs after dark that'll kind of um, terrorize scared people and, and uh, take their purses and so on. So the common sense is to stay in the front car where you're with the driver of the train, and that's where the local older ladies and so on would stay, and, and that would give you a little more comfort. After dark, you've got to be careful. You choose your neighborhoods carefully, but I've been bringing tourists to Naples for 20 years, and we've never had a mishap, and it's always a, a rich experience. 
Any other comments, guys? No, yes, I agree with you. I mean, uh, Naples is absolutely wonderful. You have to visit each corner of the town because it's a magical town. This is, you know... That's why they sing Santa Lucia, isn't it? Sant- yes, Santa Lucia. If yes, you think of beautiful. Naples, you can think of a mafia or you can think of beautiful people walking hand in hand exactly. on the waterfront singing Santa, Santa Lucia. Lucia. Yes, and so on. So, I mean, it's a, it's a magical city. So what's the capital of the kingdom of the two Sicily? So okay. a lot of history, a lot of monuments, so... I mean, is you have not to skip Naples. <laughs> is that Wally? Any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, we ended up going to uh, to paste them and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was uh, during the month of uh, March, so they, they were, uh, the, the weather was still nice and the, they, there were no crowds, and mm. we had a, just a wonderful time. March in Pastum, yes. no crowds, that would be just beautiful. That's a Greek temple, by the way, for people who aren't familiar with that area, and there's some marvelous Greek ruins in southern Italy. Uh, back 500 years before Christ, southern Italy was called Magna Graecia. It was a, a Greek yeah. colony. Yeah. You have the best Greek ruins in south of Naples at Pastum, and then, of course, all around Sicily. In Sicily, I think you have uh, Agrigento, yes. Syracuse. In Sicily, we have uh, the most well-preserved the Greek ruins of the world. So if you want to see the most beautiful <laughs> Greek ruins, you should come in, in Sicily. And this Tommaso is a Sicilian, but I'll, yeah. I'll echo that as a person that's not biased. They are really outstanding. Yeah. Yes, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's really... I mean, I get amazed, you know, to see these beautiful temples, monuments, and theater. 2,500 years ago, the Greek, they made this. It was like two days ago they left these monuments. It's really amazing, you know, to see all these uh, beautiful uh, monuments. Not only Greek, also Roman and other monuments uh, are located in, in the island. So, uh, really, I recommend you also a visit further than Naples. So, Calabria and Sicilia and Sicily are two most, uh, two most important places to visit also. Okay, Wally, I hope that gives you some ideas. It certainly does, and I thank you very much. Wear your money belt and uh, enjoy the people. Okay. And yeah. pizza. And the pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where was the pizza invented? In uh, Naples? Naples. Naples. Pizza but Margherita was the first, uh, dedicated to the Queen Margherita. Okay. Yes. And so, uh, but mozzarella. The original pizza is mozzarella cheese and tomato. That's the it. Buffalo mozzarella. Ox. Wait a minute. We call mozzarella everything. But mozzarella is the one cheese made with the buffalo milk, while the other one with the cow milk is fior di latte. That's a big mistake. Ah. Yes. So genuine, good quality pizza. Is... The- Thick on the, on the, crust, has, the yeah, crust. On the crust. Very thin in the middle. Yeah. It's not a crusty thing, but it's soft. It has tomatoes. It has mozzarella cheese, buffalo mozzarella, olive basil, oil. olive oil, and a little bit of parmesan, maybe. And it's called, the name of the, the pizza? Pizza margherita. margherita. So that's the purest pizza. It's the that's first the first pizza, pizza that was invented. Named for? Uh, Queen Margherita. She qu- was. It was invented for the Queen Margherita, Margherita. Queen Margaret. To celebrate unification of Italy. No, no. just because uh, to, some, please her, you know, to please her. To please her. To please her. Yes, that's. Uh, and I've know. heard that it's the Italian flag, the colors. Well, it is. <laughs> you got white. You got white, white mozzarella. You have the, the red, red tomatoes and you have the green basil. So you don't need to fly the flag. You can eat the flag. Oh, yes, oh, you yes. can. It's, the a Queen very nice, yes, it's a very nice eating, I can yes. promise you. And you're both traveling around the United States now. What are the pizzas like here compared to Italy? Well, I'm surprised because I ask the Sicilian pizza and they give me a big pizza like that. You know, a Sicilian pizza is on the opposite way. In Sicily, it's very, very thin. This is interesting. In America, <laughs> we think a good pizza is fat, thick. No. 
No. Never. No. So in Italy, when you go to have a pizza, if you if you go in Rome, that where you have the, I mean, large choices, there are several places where they ask you, you want a Roman pizza, you want a Naples pizza, and you get to choose which one you want because it's is different. What's the difference? Ah, the 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 Roman pizza thing is crispy, crack 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 crack, and uh, <laughs> well, you have to ask if you want mozzarella di bufala or the fior di latte, which we call mozzarella, but it's not. And, uh, well, you, you get to choose. And sometimes I choose the Naples pizza. Sometimes I choose the uh, Roman I pizza. I mean, that, that I would say the Italian pizza. Well, the, the yeah. big thing is the Americans brag about a fat pizza, a thick pizza with lots of things on it. The Italians would have a thin pizza. But this is your condominium style of eating. This is what I say. If you get a sandwich, you get a sandwich. Like, it's so funny for, for me. If I, if I ask for a cheese sandwich, I have a bread, I have cheese, I have lattes, I have a tomato. Tomatoes, I have mayonnaise sauce, I have uh, uh, whatever, it's available. And then if you ask for a, uh, let's say, turkey sandwich, you have the same things. They tell you one ingredient, but you have all the ingredients in it. I call it condominium because it's so tall that it doesn't get into my mouth. So that's the habit of the United States. You put as much as possible in everything while we we put one ingredient and that's it. So if it's a, it's a prosciutto sandwich, you have the prosciutto, you have the bread and Finish. <laughs> yes, because you have, you know, you have to uh, taste the single ingredients. When you eat all those ingredients, you don't identify specifically the, the, all the ingredients. So well, this is, you know, that's the way. that's a mixture. Plus, uh, several times, uh, U.S. people ask me, "How does it come that Italian people are so thin?" First of all, I say that's not true, and the second thing, you know, you might not know that if you if you, when you eat, you should eat either cheese or meat or eggs because when you digest you burn calories if you mix the things they they digest each other's and you don't even use the calories you would use to digest so if it's meat your stomach uses calories to digest the meat. If it's meat and cheese, they digest each other's and you don't burn the calories. Yes. Plus the mayonnaise sauce, the butter and... No. We whatever. prefer olive oil, absolutely. Oh, you yes. know, instead oh, of yes. butter, instead of yeah. mayonnaise, we prefer olive much, oil. Much this healthier. Is, this yeah. is the main ingredient. I mean, we have, we have a big production of olive oil and we use all these olive oils in our... So I think it's, uh, it's very healthy, the system we eat in, 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 in Italy in general. I mean, the food in Italy. And we pay attention what we eat. The ingredients. Yeah. The ingredients are Absolutely. important. Absolutely. So we eat a lot of f- fresh vegetables and fish. Mainly this is what we eat every day. In the south. Especially in the south. <laughs> this is in the south what we eat. We go every day in the market. We buy our vegetables, our fruit, uh, our fish. Uh, if the fish if the day before, no, no, we don't use it. We want only fresh fish every day in our tables. This is very interesting. So I think, you know, this is a very healthy way uh, to uh, choose, to pick the ingredients uh, to prepare every day lunch. Because for us, lunch is the most important meal of the day. But we have bread with special magic in it that lets it last a long time. Really? (laughs) (laughs) We do have to, but there is no comparison you can make between fresh stuff and stuff you can eat for a week. Tatilia from Central Italy, when you're going to a restaurant in in Central Italy and you have the option to um, have some 
Sicilian cuisine. What does that mean for you? I like it very much. What you have to think is that we now travel, we have cars, we have trains, we have everything. In the past, people didn't have that. So uh, basically, each region of Italy has the recipes that are coming from what was available in those days. So this is why in Sicily, for instance, that is a poor region, used to be a poor region, they had a lot of vegetables, olive oil, not so much of animals, not so many animals. You have fish, you have vegetables fried usually, and Cheeses that would make you feel full, not light cheese. Heavy cheese. Yeah, heavy cheese. So that's the um, traditional Sicilian cuisine. When you have a restaurant in the north of Italy, you'll look for that? You want to have anything that has vegetables. The best vegetable recipes come from the south of Italy. There is a recipe of pasta I love. It's called pasta alla norma with the eggplants. I do it. I know how to do it. And it's Fantastic, fabulous. And it's Sicilian. It's absolutely Sicilian. Sicilian. Norma, why? Curiosity, Norma, because Bellini, Vincenzo Bellini, was the composer of the Norma. You know, apparently, uh, the uh, person who who prepared this dish was dedicated to Vincenzo Bellini, this dish. Fantastic. Yes. uh, I mean, the ingredients are very healthy because we use genuine ingredients. Tomato, uh, ricotta cheese, which is a typical cheese of Sicily, baked ricotta cheese. We have ricotta too, my dear. All right, you have, but the best one you But it's different, from, yeah. it tastes different. Yes, it does taste different. Yes. Umbrian sure. ricotta and a Sicilian Absolutely, ricotta. because the, the, the sheep don't eat the same grass. Yes. So the milk tastes different. Which one's, which one's better? Can't compare them. Can't compare. No. We have an email from Bill in Columbus, Ohio, and he says, Like an army, I travel on my stomach and enjoy finding and eating authentic regional food. How will I know what Italian food is authentic to whatever region I visit? And how can I learn the history of the regional foods? So basic thing, when he's traveling, he wants to eat in Umbria, Umbrian food, and in Sicily, Sicilian Sicily. food. All right. What's a good tip? Is How do they know? Where the trucks stop. What's that? Where the trucks stop. Oh, where the truck drivers eat. Yeah. Yes. How do you know where the truck drivers eat? You see the trucks outside. You yes. See, that's a very good yes. idea. Good <laughs> advice is, in Sicily? Uh, well, no. In Sicily, it's a way you see a lot of local people eating in a restaurant. This means that the food is great. The food is absolutely local and prepared. I mean, but even in Sicily, you have to distinguish the food from the east from the food from the west. We have big differences. Don't forget that the western coast of the island was dominated much more by the Arabs. So it's very easy to find couscous, for example, which is, you know, typical Arab dish. In the East, I mean, was much more Greek and Roman. So in that case, you find lots of fish and vegetables. So Arab food, caponata di melanzana, eggplants, caponata, this is a typical dish from the West. My goodness. We've been talking about the differences between North and South Italy, and one thing I've discovered that's very much the same, enthusiasm for good food. Oh, yes. Yes. We stay thin, (laughs) but we love to eat. Yes, I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. Uh, Jean in Carroll, Ohio, telephoned 877-333-RICK, as you can too. Jean, how are you doing? Fine. How are you? Great. Thanks for your call. It's been really good listening to all this conversation. It's fun, isn't it? It is. Hey, do you have a question or a comment? Well, I'll tell you, I've done uh, quite a bit of traveling in Italy, and the very first time was in 1972, when you didn't have to have a reservation to see the Last Supper. Boy, ain't that the truth. It's a big change, yeah. So it's a long time ago. And I've been to the north and to the south, driven most all the way. I've not been to Sicily yet, and that's where I intend to go in the fall. 
I've listened to the gentleman speak about the south of Italy. I do find it warmer. People are more generous. They're just uh, happier. I found in Milan a little bit more reserved, and I think that is financial district. Plus, it's got a German influence up there. They're two, what are they? They're Lombards. Yeah. French. French. French Lombards. <laughs> French Lombards in yes. Milano. Wow. Yeah. So it does, there is a difference, but I love, of course, all of Italy. I'm Italian by birth. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it, it's, it's like home when I go back there. It's a wonderfully diverse country, isn't it? It's amazing, the size of California, and we've got all of this uh, differences. Yeah. I mean, it's a really quite astounding thing about European travel, I think. Unbelievable. And the, uh, my parents went w- with me in 75, and my father spoke very good Italian in the northern part, more educated. And when we went south, my mother could speak the um, dialect much better there. So we got along very well, but it's so, it's so different, the north and the south of Italy. How is the dialect different uh, between the north and the south? Well... It's we have many, I mean, even, uh, you know, in <laughs> Sicily we have many differences because the dialect is very, very local language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very local language. And uh, the influence in general is by the domination that we had. So the southern part of Italy, for example, it has been dominated by different kind of civilization, French, Spanish, you know. Mm-hmm. So the dialect in general is a mixture of language. Yeah. So yeah. we have a Spanish, we have a French, we have Italian and Arab language all mixed up. And, you, and then we have a different accent, of course. And, yeah. and it You don't have a dialect everywhere in Italy. Where I live, you have accents, mm. uh, which are not different languages. But in the north or in the south or other parts of Italy, you have dialects that are languages I can't understand. Really? I yes. don't. Wow. Jean, I, yeah. are you heading to Sicily then? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go, um, well, in the fall, probably October. I thought the weather should be nice at that yeah. time. It is. Yes. And another thing about Naples, we went to Naples and thoroughly enjoyed Naples. Good for you. Had no problems, but we were careful, and I think you have to be careful everywhere in Europe. Sure. Thanks very much for your call, Jean. You're welcome. Happy travels. Uh huh. Bye bye. Michael in Houston, Texas. Thanks for your call. Yes, hello. It's been a pleasure listening to you all. I've learned a lot just in the recent these conversations that you've been having here this hour. You know, one great thing about going to Italy is people like to talk in Italy, and they've got very enthu- enthusiasm for their way of living, and it's just a, a delight for an American traveler to connect with Italians in your travels and, and learn so much and, and um, be, sort of be welcomed into their culture. Yes, I have. A, there's a dear lady uh, that works at the same college that I work at. I'm a professor of art, uh, a newly minted professor and a photographer, so I'm really looking forward to going to Italy. And yesterday she told me, Visit the small towns there because people aren't afraid to catch a cold. They'll talk to you. Yes. So now I'm lamenting the decision. Do I spend more time in uh, smaller cities than in big cities? I really have some reservations of, of going to Rome and to Venice for anything other than the major sites. You know, Michael, if you're an art teacher, you're going to see the work of uh, Giotto and Donatello and Botticelli in the big cities, and you'll see the work of their students in the small towns. Yeah. And the local people are just as proud of a little humble um, altarpiece done by uh, somebody from the Scuolo di Donatello, the school yes. of Donatello. Uh, and it's just a matter of where the money was. And the big artists went to the big cities. So 
in your situation, I think you'd want to go to the great art masterpieces, but then to really connect with the culture, I, I would imagine you'd go to the small towns. Yeah, yes. if, you, yes. if, if you come to Orvieto, which is not a big city, you have the Duomo, that is a man- magnificent cathedral you shouldn't miss. And you have the Cappella di San Brizio, you shouldn't miss at all. And, uh, well, there is close to Orvieto a little village called Città della Pieve, where you have a lot of Perugino frescoes that Perugino was the Raffaello's teacher, so that's very interesting. But it's a small, small, small little town. Very interesting. In the south, we have Caravaggio School. Caravaggio, right. okay, the painting Caravaggio made sure. lots of uh, things in uh, Syracuse, uh, in Messina, even in Messina. In Messina, we have the painting Antonello da Messina, the Flemish fantastic, influence, fantastic. which is absolutely gorgeous and fantastic. Yes. So uh, the little town, you know, offer you a lot. And one thing, I think when you go to the famous tourist towns, you're part of the economy. You go to a little town with no tourism, you're part of the party. It's a fundamental difference in how you're received. Well, how long are you welcome, or how long is a good stay in Orvieto? I'm falling in love with Cecilia as you talk to her, and I'm I'm interested in how long I should be kicking back there. If you're falling in love with Cecilia as we talk to her, you can visit her uh, beautiful farm where she and her family makes wine just outside of Orvieto. It's Tanuta La Velata. I've been going there with our tour groups for 20 years, and we'll put her uh, email address on our website so you can uh, look into that in detail if you'd like. Cecilia, somebody wants to visit Orvieto? Yeah, I I highly recommend it, not just because I live there, because it's really worth doing it. And there is a lot to do and a lot to see, and especially it's very centrally located, so it allows you to do day trips to other small places that are very interesting. And you have several kinds of arts. For instance, there is a lot about the Etruscans around this area, and the Etruscans were a very interesting civilization. You might not know very much about them, but it's, there is a lot to do to see about them. Michael, you said you're a, an art professor, is that right? Yes, I'm a wow. newly minted art professor. Well, what a great opportunity to, to head off to Italy, and oh, it's, just a, it's just a festival of art everywhere you look. It's the yes, right I, place where to go for right. you, I guess. Well, good luck in your travels, Michael, and thanks for your call. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Jane in Portland in Oregon, thanks for your call. Hello, thank you for taking my call. I have been enjoying listening to you. Thank you. Do you have any comments or questions for Tommaso from Sicily or Cecilia from the center of Italy? Yes, I have a question. I have a son who is spending a semester in Rome, and I know more about northern Italy, but he's read through your guidebook, and he has so many ideas, and he just doesn't even know where to start. And so I guess I'm looking for the quintessential backdoor experience for a college student in southern Italy. Ooh, that's a great question. Young guy in southern Italy, uh, I'll tell you, my son just went down there. He's 18 years old, and he's infatuated by the mafia and <laughs> Godfather, and he went to the what's this? What's the city? Corleone. Corleone, but Corleone, you know, is a myth now. I know because yeah, the Godfather he... was made exactly in another place. Oh, really? <laughs> was made in Forza da Groe, Savoca, the outdoor scene, which is in the province of Messina, this two little town. Because this is the real Sicily, still is the real Sicily. We call this the Godfather country. <laughs> Godfather country. Corleone. No. no, Corleone, you know, when Francis Ford Coppola came in 1971 in Sicily, he made a tour of Sicily. He went to Corleone. He saw that Corleone was too sophisticated, too evoluted for the movie, you know? So he said, no, 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 I don't like Corleone. I should go in the other places, in the, other, in the eastern coast of Sicily. So he went to two little towns, the name were Savoca are Savoca and Forza de Gros. And he made the outdoor scene of the Godfather, number one and number three, exactly in these two little towns. So when you see Corleone, you know, 
This is not Corleone. In the movie. Uh, In the movie, yes. But, but for the real mafia culture. The real though. mafia, well, originally, you know, what originated from Corleone, the area of Corleone in the 18th century. Well, the history of the mafia is very long. We talk, you know, about the mafia for hours and hours because, you know, it's a phenomenon that still we have. Uh, mafia is still active, of course, in Sicily. But if you come to Sicily and you want to see the mafia in everyday life, you'll be disappointed because you won't see no. in everyday life. No. Mafia is located in very high political financial institution of course yeah, it's probably more so it's something you know which is not visible is involved in the big business and of course everyday lives you know you won't see it so let's get back to what a, a, you have a teenage son Jane yeah he's um he's 19 19 and he's going to southern Italy or Sicily no, he's, he's in Rome actually he's based in Rome but okay. it's pretty much Italy's his oyster yeah and well, so he'll have four months to travel and like I said he's very confused because there's so much and he doesn't even know where to start Hmm. I really like this idea of going where there's no tourists in southern Italy, and just your son must have some Italian language skills, and mm-hmm. uh, I think people in the in the small towns really are impressed by somebody who straggles in from the United States and can speak the language and wants to get to know people. My son took a foreign language class in Cefalu down in Sicily. Uh, a highlight for him was living there for a few weeks to learn the language, and then he rented a motorbike and went all over Sicily on a motorbike. And mm-hmm. I would have been nervous had I known that as dad, but he had a great time. Great and, uh, time, It was yes. a wonderful... The, in Sicily, the roads are really big and impressive, and there's not much traffic on them. It's no. like they no. got a millions of dollars and they spent them on roads, and they go, what's a big freeway doing here? Yeah. And it's like they closed it down for the roller skaters, you know? It's uh, it's quite an amazing situation. Yes. yes, the way of transportation in general, you know, the way of communication, like motorway, road, they're very well, uh, you know, developed. So the island, you know, you can use very well, and uh, it's very well indicated also on the road. So it's, uh, it's not a problem from this point of view. Jane, thanks for your call. Thank you. Good luck. Bye-bye. I'm speaking with Tommaso Ponte from Sicily and Cecilia Botai from the center of Italy. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and we're discussing the differences between the north and the south of Italy. You know, Tommaso and Cecilia, a lot of us think of Italy and we think of high fashion. How is fashion seen in Sicily versus central Italy? This is a very nice question. On my point of view, since the south of Italy is uh, much more like the Arabian countries, they like to show much more than they do in the north of Italy and in the center. Show much more meaning? Show, I mean, it's very important to show have... Show the jewelry. Show, show. Showy, show, 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 be showy. Show very well dressed, you know. Dressed, the more... Flamboyant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unbutton your shirt and have a gold necklace, this sort of thing. Not just that. If you go, let's say you go at a reception, at a wedding reception. If you go in a wedding reception in the north of Italy, they have some jewelry, they have some elegant clothes. In Tuscany, it's considered unelegant to have something that is too big, too evident, too colored, too, it's much more moderate. In, in The more you go south of Tuscany, the more you start seeing colors, big jewelries. Uh, uh, Over-the-top decor. Yes. yes. The farther you go south, the more women show what they have. And it's not considered unelegant. No, It's considered... Completely. I mean, it's considered something very good, very fashionable. I mean, we love to show, you know, ourselves very well dressed. So we pay attention, you know, at the appearance. We pay attention how we dress. We spend a lot of money, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of money. A lot of money for 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 fashion, for clothes, for more in Sicily than in Umbria. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. There are several things. 
we spend, I would say, 55% of our salary, you know, dressing. And sunglasses. Well. Yes, absolutely. Sunglasses, yes, bags. As a woman, I can give a little detail. If you get engaged in Italy, we don't have this difference between having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or getting engaged. But if you mean to marry a woman, you can hardly imagine you will not offer a, an engagement ring in the South. In the center or in the north, if you can afford it, you do it. If you can't, you don't. So you go into the debt to give a, your yes. engaged woman a, a ring. You should see in the, the differences between a wedding in the north, in the center, uh, in the south. We spend a fortune in the south. From 50 people invited, very ordinary family, to 350 invited yes. in the south. Yes. So they can pay the, 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 for the wedding, they can pay 10 years long what they had to pay for. Yes, because this is the event of the life. Yeah. So we must be impressed of this event. It's a very important event. Probably you do this just maybe once, the... maybe. <laughs> who knows? Well, or you well, get who divorced. <laughs> who knows about? But the first but one the has to be like You this. spend 20, 25,000 euros to get these weddings, especially you no know, injury in food. In food and... Uh, well, and also in jewelry. Can you imagine in the South someone getting married and the, the bride doesn't get from the family or from the in-laws a big, big present that is normally a bracelet or a, a ring? or It's an impossible. Exactly. In the North, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's it. You don't expect that. In the southern part of Italy, you expect, always you expect a great jewelry for the wedding. A great jewelry. And <laughs> yes, if you don't get it, it's one, a big problem. An expensive one. So. <laughs> okay. Italy is one country, one government, and the big industry and the big economy is in the north. Yes. And a lot of people in the south and a lot of economic problems in the south. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that some people think of the south as what kind of a parasite taking more money than they give in. No, actually, I don't yeah. agree with this. It tell was me, in the tell past. Me what is the relationship now between the North and the South okay, economically? This was in the past. This was in the past. We had a very strong immigration from the southern part of Italy to the North, uh, to the United States. You know, we have a lot of Sicilian in the United States, especially in the Eastern Coast, in New York, Boston, and so on. But now the situation is changed. Actually, we are accepting immigrants from the Eastern part of Europe or from uh-huh. the Northern part of Africa. We have a lot of immigrants working in Sicily and the southern part of Italy. So, Cecilia, you don't really feel as a taxpayer that you're subsidizing the South? No, I feel like uh, sometimes I get a little bit angry, not not about the South, but about Italy. We have to import, it's not slavery, but we have to ask people to come work for us because there are several jobs people don't want to do anymore in Italy. And I get very angry when I see, for instance, I, I'm safe now, I'm, I'm okay now with the number of people I get for the harvest time, but it's getting more and more problematic to get people. And people in Italy do not want to do anymore some kinds of jobs because they consider these jobs inferior jobs and so on. That's also in the South. So I, I have the, the, the feeling that Italian people should be sometimes prepared to do also kinds of jobs that are more, I would say, ordinary jobs, especially when they don't have a permanent job or they are young. And uh, this happens in the north, in the center, in the south. Of course, you have more work possibility in the north, but the problem is that in the north you earn a certain amount of money and you don't make a living with what you earn. In the south, you need less money. If I were someone who has to make an investment, I would make it in the south probably because the climate plays a role. Can you imagine you have to work 80 hours a day in Palermo where it's very hot and people are not more lazy, but it's, I mean, 
it, the climate is not a little toy. Uh, it's something you, ha- you have really to deal with. And when you have the sunshine outside and a nice beach in front of yourself, you get distracted by that. While if you are in a misty, foggy situation, this is why the north of Europe has much more industry because what else do you do? Really, I'm not kidding. I mean, I love the north of Europe. I, you know, I had a German babysitter when I was a little child, and I went to a Swiss school, so I have several experiences. But, of course... It's just tough to work when it, it's sunny out and there's a beach there. Yeah. As it's in this, is, and this is the main reason why we are developing the tourism industry, because we're taking advantage of these beautiful beaches absolutely. that we have, this beautiful weather. I mean, you can come in Sicily even in December or January, and the weather is wonderful, is excellent. I mean, so we're taking advantage from this point of view. Of course, agriculture is the main industry in Sicily. Still, so far, but in a couple of years, you know, tourism will be the most important. Uh, yes, I agree with Cecilia. The weather take a big role, you know, in the day life of the uh, area in general. This has been a beautiful discussion for me because I see a playful competition, but also a big respect between the North and the South. Absolutely. It's a beautiful yes. thing. It's an, a microcosm of how different people can live together and celebrate the differences, enjoy the differences, learn from each other, and live life to its fullest. You might say, I, I rather live here instead of there, but doesn't mean I don't like the people or the place. Right. Uh, this no. is more my lifestyle, but this is also in the United States, I guess. You are more New York, New York people or a Chicago uh, person or a Texas person or a Seattle person. It's up to you. And if you want a big wedding... You go to Sicily. Go, go to Sicily. Oh, yes, this uh, is quite have, an event. Yeah. This is quite an event. <laughs> All right. Cecilia Botai from Umbria in the center of Italy and Tommaso Pante from Sicily. Thank you so much for enlightening us on the differences to these two parts of Italy. Rick Steves teaches smart travel to Italy and beyond. On Rick's website, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours of Italy's top sites, and a monthly travel newsletter and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To prepare for your next Italian adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.